welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home, your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Um, but just, yeah, going, just stepping back. And I mean, you know, brought, brought all this on was the John Carpenter thing, but it, it, at the, at the same time that John Carpenter was making the thing, which is probably his best movie. I mean, you, you could argue some of the other ones, but the thing, it's hard to surpass that movie. Yeah. He, he got beat by ET, which Spielberg was, you know, contractually obligated to only do. And yet this movie came out and it's literally a Steven Spielberg movie. I mean, if, that's what I was saying. That face ripping scene is the only mark that Toby Hooper has. You're talking about the guy who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Does this give you any vibes whatsoever of that movie at all? Well, you know, hold on. The, the circle back a little bit. You know what the funny thing is? The thing has more long, long lasting effect than ET does now, though. Like there's that is more. True. There is more of a following of the of the of the of the people that more cult classic built into the thing now that has more long-lasting effect because it was a it was a giant hallmark and to this day it's still an amazing horror movie well and you could but you could argue that with anything that carpenter came out with like yeah. i mean when he got really cynical like in the mid 80s about like uh, 80s era you know reaganomics and stuff like that and came out with they live which is probably oh, one of the best dude you know oh, like commentaries in history i mean you know that movie didn't get a audience at all back in the day, but like now people are like, Oh my God, is but, this not like a description of what we're going through? And that's wild. How, how much it's not an immediate in the moment. It did good at the box office. His movies have like a, a legit longevity factored into them that, that, that spans across a lot of different eras of like the transition of movies and where they've went. Even to this day, those movies hold up hell good. It's just like Videodrome with um, with uh, James Woods. That still holds up and amazing. It's Whoever wrote Videodrome did a dead-on job of predicting how people were going to be in the future. I, I know that movie was directed by Cronenberg. I don't know who wrote it, but that's one of those Cronenberg films because it's got a lot of the body horror in it. Oh, like, huge, you know, yeah. Coming out of bodies and yes. all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as Spielberg, we, we can't write off Spielberg. I mean, obviously, the guy with Jurassic Park and with, you know, like some of his other movies. I mean, E.T.'s, you know, one that's probably on the lesser, I mean, he's definitely on the lesser end of the scale. But, I mean, the Goonies still has to this day oh, awesome. like cultural relevance. I mean, there's people that has a nostalgia for that movie, myself included, that's, that's you know, hard to beat. But, but it, I mean, encap- <laughs> it encapsulates that era of what kids could be 100% independent 
with like that movie is the epitome of freedom as a kid. Like you ran off the rails and nobody knew what or where you were going. That is and not I my mean, childhood. It, it's it's exactly the kids on bikes genre that that Stranger yes. Things is a part of. See, I mean, even circling back to the Ghostbusters movie I just watched, Afterlife. It, it's you know it's all it's Steven Spielberg and Stephen King inspired. That's literally what you know Stranger Things is. See, and the weird thing, my wife didn't grow up in that childhood where she had that a ton of autonomy freedom. That was like Stranger Things was to a T my childhood. Yeah, there was nobody accounted for us, and we just did whatever we want on bikes all around the town. Why do you think I wanted a sibling? <laughs> yeah, um, but that had nothing to do with siblings. I just wanted them to lay off of me a little bit. Yeah. I was no, an only I, I, child. I was going to discuss this on this episode, and, and I mentioned it to Urena, but you need to watch a movie, a little sleeper hit called Summer of 84. It's exactly the type of movie you're talking about. It's the same setup. It's kids on bike in the, bikes on the 80s. They, you know, It's kind of got like a Goonies vibe to it, but it takes a very dark turn in it in the sense that one of the kids, it's got that uh, you know, rear window uh, Hitchcockian thing or Disturbia type thing Ooh. going on where there's a serial killer that's living next door the kid thinks that that he is and over the course of one summer he investigates you know these missing kids that are disappearing uh, that he links to that that what he thinks is a serial killer and it's kind of like a coming of age story set in that time period but you know with the, the same setup they go out at night you know playing this game of like you know flashlight tag or whatever and their parents don't give a shit you know it's just like the total freedom you're talking about yeah it's it the thing with those movies it has such the story arc is so close to human nature that they survive a lot. Anything that has an amazing story arc, it doesn't matter how much time passes, it holds up. It, if you have an amazing story arc that, that feels natural to the human experience, you can't write those things off with time. They hold up hell good. 100%. Um, but, I mean, as far as, like, the Steven Spielberg part of this, I mean, obviously you all are in agreement, too. Like, this Toby Hooper had, like, he was basically just – the body on set in place of Spielberg for contractual reasons. I mean, that is, in my opinion, fucking awesome because that means he got paid. <laughs> you talking about Toby Hoover got paid to do jack shit, basically? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they put one awesome special effects scene together and that was it. And it's the, the best effect in the movie. Uh, oh, hands it, down. You know, I... <laughs> Um, just, uh, and then I put in there the random thoughts I've already mentioned. The, the black researcher looks like Ray Parker Jr. I, the, this, especially he's in the scene where there's this all the, the next scene in the movies where all the spectral lights like coming down the stairs and it coalesces in the form. Like it looks like one thing, but then whenever they play it back on the videotape, it's like all these different spirits. Well, hold, hold on. Let me, really let good. me, let me interrupt you. Cause I want to circle back to that, that scene in the mirror. If you really understand the magnitude of that scene, you understand that it actually, without that scene in the movie, you missed the giant horror factor in the entire equation. It's non-existent. Oh, exactly. Without it's, that it's scene, it, without, without that scene, I don't know if that movie even qualifies as a horror movie to a degree. It doesn't at all. Like, I mean, you, you've got a scary clown and a tree that eats people, and then the corpse is bursting up at the end. That's it. That's all that's in yeah, this movie. And the corpses don't do anything. It, they're all show and no go. That, that one scene gives you a taste of how dangerous it can get. The skull comes out of the closet. Yeah, but even then, that's not nothing, nothing over the top frightening about what it can do to you really happens other than the scene in the mirror when he's ripping his face off. Like, yeah. 
This true. is how scary it really is. I don't know. Swimming it's a, it's, in a mud it's at the stakes, pit, basically. Yeah, of swimming what in a mud with. pit full of corpses, though. I mean, like you saw me, I was fucking screaming. I was like, like freaking out. Like that is. <laughs> yeah, but if you showed that to her kids, they'd be like, "Why is she yelling?" <laughs> I'm, tell me I'm wrong. Get out! But the part where the guy's ripping his face off, yeah, that would that would that would. You need that part of any horror movie that instills the fear mechanism to the equation. If you don't ever land it. Then the fear is subjective and it doesn't really. I guess it, it just depends on what, because what scares you and what scares me or what, you okay, know. If I was to show you the movie now and remove the part where he rips his face off, mm-hmm. would you still be as frightened leading up to the other stuff? Maybe not as frightened leading up to the. Well, maybe. And the reason why I say this is because there's nothing like the fear of what is supposed to happen or what you think is going to happen. Me creating my own drama in my head. I am the type of person that I would be scared because I'm expecting so much more. Yeah, but the Um, the typical person, like our kids, the visceral gives you what could happen. So when you when you're confronted with the reality of what could happen, Mm -hmm. you have now set the precedence. Like this is on the table. Yeah, this could happen to me. So now all of a sudden, now now all of a sudden, you getting sucked into the closet becomes more visceral because you can imagine what happened to you. In your head, so what's going to happen if you get pulled into that? It gives you an actual framework of what could potentially happen yeah. if you get sucked into the closet. Yes. So it, it adds a giant factor of fear. Yes. I'll give you an example from a movie that I, that I love that, that came out, you know, not too long ago, uh, The Final Girls. And I've mentioned this before, but it's like, you know, it's, it's this horror comedy. And, like, the movie is mostly played as, like, you know, kind of like this this drama about this girl losing her mom and the comedy aspects that are brought in by, like, Adam Devine and some other people in the movie. But the scene that establishes the threat they're dealing with is early on in the movie where there's, like, I mean, and a lot of the characters are kind of like Scooby-Doo, like analogs, honestly. I mean, they're you know, there's the Velma, Daphne, you know. But the shaggy character in the movie... He's he's he he's a horror nerd. So like when they get trapped in the movie, that's the gist of the movie. He's like you know he's geeking out. He's like oh this is the scene where you know the slasher comes in and does this. This scene where the big boob girl like you know is doing her thing. But like you know and he's totally loving it. But like he's sitting there and the slasher you know sees him and that that's you know so first of all it establishes that that you know a that the they're not just like you know you know standard you know or you know just like these people that are standing by the sidelines they're you know actually in this that they can be interacted with and then the killer like turns around and actually attacks him with a machete and like he's the first death in the movie and it establishes the groundwork it's like okay we're fucked this isn't just like a horror movie that we can like you know waste 92 minutes trying to get the plot to move through you know and get out of here we can actually die it sets the stakes and the grounding for what they're you know they're in you know yes that's you're you're now saying the framework like this is on the table yeah so it all of a sudden now it makes the idea of getting sucked into the black hole not so much that you'll die but you're gonna there's Grave consequences leading up to your death are going to be horrendous for you. Yes. It really heightens the, the, the allowable amount of fear to really take root into the equation. Yeah. So you said, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding the question right, if they removed the face ripping scene out, would I still be as scared? Right? Is yeah. that what you're asking? And yeah. I'm telling you, I personally would be, but most other people probably wouldn't be. Uh, I, I I think it would <laughs> change your level, level of fear. I think, believe it or not, I think 
the visceral part of anything. Because me, like the steak and the face ripping scene, Hold while on. I thought it was cool, I just, in my opinion, I thought it was gross. I didn't find it scary. I, I found it think, squeamish. So let's do this. Let's look at a zombie movie. No, I don't want to. I know, I know, but let, let's set the framework. <laughs> so let's look at a zombie movie. Every time someone's about to get eaten by a zombie, it cuts the scene. You don't see what happens to them. Does it still have the same impact that it would when a zombie gets a hold of somebody? Huge. Probably, it changes yeah. everything. Because you get to see the zombies rip people apart alive. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, if you remove that from a zombie movie, the zombie movie doesn't have that same, like, oh, my God, how yeah. bad is it going to get? It's a huge factor into the equation. Yeah. But for me in no. this film, it wasn't, I don't know. It was a great scene. I don't think, I don't think that the film would have did, maybe, I'm not saying that the film would do as great as without it. Because, like I said, I would not want the scene removed. I loved it. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm scared of other shit. I want to make one comment that's in the middle road of between all this stuff, though. I, I make, I, I agree with both of you to a certain extent. There, it, you could make the argument that, like, the movie, if, and this is a caveat, I'm going to get into what my caveat is about this, that the movie, if you remove that scene and it was just about a mother losing her daughter to these, like, spirits and all that, if, if it was just that, then you could, you know, make a horror movie just based upon that and some of the stuff that pops up in the movie without the face ripping scene. But this is a critique of this movie, and I can't argue it. They say that when Jerry Goldsmith made the music for this movie, the actual orchestral sound that you, you know, the, the songs that you hear in the background, it's light and fluffy. It's more of an adventure film. Yes. It's a lifetime because of the it's a lifetime it's because movie. Because of the fact that they filmed it that way and put that score to it, it ruined, it takes out all of the terror in the movie uh, until that, you know, until that scene pops up. Yeah, if you remove the face ripping scene, it's a lifetime movie. <laughs> Just saying, that's, what, that's an, how I view it. An episode but, of The Ghost Whisperer? Yeah. But if you, if you, if you scored it differently and you gave it like, you know, the, like the thing they always do in horror movies where they give like the sharp, Sounds like the harpsichord type thing. It's yeah. like, you know, like sharp noises and stuff like that. You could have made a horror film, edited around that, that would have worked without that scene, but they didn't make that movie. That's not, I mean, we can't make that argument because literally when you're listening to music, I mean, if you listen to the theme song for this, yeah. it doesn't sound like a horror. It's like, la, 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 yeah. la, la, la. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the theme song to the Poltergeist movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I, it's really weird when it pops up on like any kind of horror like CD soundtrack or something like that. You're like listening to how like Halloween sounds, and you're like listening to that great Carpenter do 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 do, and then all of a sudden this pops up, and you're like, "What the fuck am I listening to?" But but if you but if you look at any horror movie and you remove the part that shows the the more visceral nature of the outcome, that has a huge impact on on the ramifications. Like it's always abstract. Like yeah, you're gonna die. It's like yeah, okay, you're gonna die, but how bad was the death? That's the I, thing I that I agree with that. And that so. thing will grip you. And any outcome yeah. of what the death is going to lead up to is a part that makes it over the top scary. Because if all of a sudden you just die instantly without the pain factor, it's like, okay, you're going to die. No, it's going to be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre death. It's going to be the movie, most over the top. You die and then you become a spirit. And the kid, the boy, was specifically terrified of that, as he says in one scene. The funny but thing he's about also, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that most people don't realize is, though, is there's barely any blood in that movie. Yeah, that's true. Now that you say <laughs> wow. that. 
because they do such a good job of setting up what the scene is, what your mind thinks happens, and then what the, the they show the body afterward. You're like, okay, there's some bad shit that just happened. Like it, it, Hooper did a good job in that movie, you know, like filling in the blank or letting you fill in the blanks for yourself when it comes to that. Well, I want to go into one part that you had mentioned uh, or you started to mention is the spectral lighting um, at the top of the stairs and how you said that had a kind of a Ghostbusters effect. It does. It really looks like that scene where like the spirits are flying out of the top of the tower where Gozer's, you know, is at. It really looks like that. Yeah. And I thought that the, the uh, poltergeist coming out of the door were the second time the the vortex is trying to take now both of the kids when the mom was trying to get in and that spirit just jumped out at her in the middle of the hall. Well, not jumped out at her. It's on the door. It's attached to the door still. And she's in the hallway just getting fucked up because she's getting thrown around like a little, little rag doll. I thought that looked like Ghostbusters too. That gave me the it, Ghostbusters effect. It kind of did. But at the same time, that scene you're talking about specifically where she like touches the doorknob and like she gets electrocuted or whatever and flies backwards. It, that... It, that has such a Spielbergian, like, yeah. you know, like going back to what Noah was saying literally just a second ago, it, 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 it's got the Spielberg thing where he like, he, he tamps down like the visceral, like, you know, nature of things because she gets shocked. But if you watch that scene, she floats to the ground. It's like, she doesn't oh. just get knocked back. She floats back. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking <laughs> about it takes in, away in that her visceral, room? Like shit, this stuff's really hurting her. Wait, type, are you talking you know? about in her room or in the hallway? No, when she's down in the like in the lower part of the house, when she, right before she runs out into the the that you know big scene with a swimming pool, yeah, and you know the corpses, she grabs like a door handle or yeah. door, door knob, I think. and like it, it it shocks her, and then like she gets knocked back, but you see her kind of float. She the did that in her like, bedroom too. She did it. kind of slowly come down the wall. You real, know, you know what got me? Like talk about ripping off Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, you oh, know what well, the bedroom scene where her, her that, that's a hundred percent when her shirt her night shirt kept getting pulled up that reminded me of a really really old film called the entity where it was the ghost that constantly well basically an, it was an incubus the one that kept raping her i thought that was a pretty hot part <laughs> something sure about did. a t-shirt and panties like to any guy you're like yeah i can dig that that's, <laughs> that's solid it's like when you see the old lady wow. with t-shirt and panties it's like yeah they like that to do that look if you want to hear more about this, there's blue collar BS. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You just tell me these guys ain't watching these horror movies, ain't checking out these women. Like, these come on. Wars and the horror films. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's a common thing. I mean, there's there's scream queens for a reason. I yes, mean, yes. exactly. Quigley is known for you know two major things, and you know they're right there up top for you to see. <laughs> I mean, it's you know the Return of the Living Dead. I watched that way too young as a kid. Oh my god. Fun bag. Seen that. that that part when she's in the graveyard when I was a kid. Yes. Like there was a lot of moments I watched that movie by myself. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um she she might have messed up my my image of women. That's all I'm oh, gonna say. Oh big with that time. Scene. Yes. <laughs> I think most that that's when you say that because I've had this conversation with other guys about that movie, and that is a very true statement as a when you're a young kid, like six years old, and you happen to get a hold of that movie and you watch it, you're like, Women are like this? <laughs> Like she, because she's a yeah. Walker Punk chick that gets yeah. buck naked in the graveyard. Like this is awesome. Like as yeah, a as a young the, <laughs> as a young collar. Yeah, she's like ripping her top off. I a mean, young eighties like boy, yeah. like watching oh that, God. you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> And uh, she's also in that movie, Now the Demons, where she does like a scene where she literally sticks a uh, lipstick container or yes. tube into her one of her nipples yes. and bends over and like shows her, you know, panties and her ass to people. So, I mean, 
Yes, that's a thing in horror films. That's especially <laughs> from that time Have you period. seen either Demons? Uh, I think I have, but it's been a long time. I'm sure it's something we're gonna address. I but... remember watching that. So we went to when we used to go to the drive-ins. My mom would go. We go to the drive-ins, and the, they would go to see a movie. Then they'd cut us loose, and we would go to any other movie because the speakers were still there. Yeah. So we'd go, and I remember one time they were playing Night of the Demons, and we just told my mom, "Well, we're gonna go look for a different." Movie. I forgot they were singing some stupid movie. Yeah. And so we're like, we're gonna go see something else, and they happened to be playing Night of the Demons. So we, it was me, my two brothers, my cousin, and somebody else. We went and we were standing at the back of the drive-in. I think we had chairs. We had brung chairs and we were sitting there watching it. And I remember watching the lipstick park where she does that. <laughs> and like it got quiet because like we were talking through the whole movie. And when that happened, we all got quiet and we're looking at each other. <laughs> like that was awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> You're talking about like young eight-year-old, 10-year-old kids or whatever it was. Night of the Demon. But you know what? I bring Another movie similar that I, I am sure the Reverend absolutely prefers over Night of the Demon would be Bordello of Blood. That's a horrible movie. I'm joking. <laughs> that is a horrible. No, I mean, horrible. Uh, it's, it's it's good for its purpose, but it that's it's not to watch it for a horror film. I'm totally that, fucking with you guys. Oh, I hate Corey Feldman with the passion, dude. When you're when you're about 13 or 14 and you don't have access to, you know, <laughs> or the internet, I mean, that movie was a good one. Yes. So I'm gonna it'll do. That's yeah. about the extent of it. Oh, my God. Okay, let's move forward. <laughs> but anyways, in this movie, uh, they, they watch the spectral light, you know, playback. Um, I watched, like, some behind-the-scenes thing that, like, yeah, I thought was, like, going to be, like, a documentary, you know, about them making the movie, but it ended up being, like, a bunch of paranormal paranormal researchers talking about how this movie inspired them to get into the business. And, like, this scene in particular was, like, one that they referenced because of the fact that it's, like, the first time they've ever documented or really documented a movie, like, you know, taking, like, electronic equipment and filming ghosts and stuff like that. Ghost facers. This scene technically is the reason that we got ghost adventures, ghost hunters, dead files, all that stuff that you see on TV now. And it's, ghost facers. scene in the movie. You cannot and forget ghost facers. <laughs> what is it? Ghost facers was a parody of basically any parano- paranormal show, and it was on Supernatural. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was these I'm two so kids, glad I'm not into that show. These two kids that were basically doofs that also did not have any real experience with the paranormal, but they were trying to make a show. And they got way in over their heads with some of the shit. And and it plays out like basically like a version of Ghost Adventures, you know, where yeah. Jack Bagan's doing his thing or whatever. Um, Robbie at this point is in the movie is sent away because the the parents realize there's a lot more shit going on. I don't know what it the hell took happens them a to long Dana, fucking though, time. Like, they, do they mention it? Did I miss something during this part of the movie? Yes, they did. They said that she's basically staying at friends' house all the time. Um, and that she rarely stays <laughs> at the house. She's, she's barely in the movie. Like, yeah. Literally, I she's mean. at her boyfriend's house spending the night. Yeah. Oh, is she now? <laughs> <laughs> Look at, I think at this point, as dumb as the parents have been up to this point to even keep their kids and the dog in the house at this point, I think they'd be like, yeah, go stay at your boyfriend's house because there's some fucking shit going on in this house. See, I don't feel like the parents got dumb until the very end of the movie. Well, then, it's because it so, took them a long time to realize, holy shit, there's some fucked up shit going in the house. And just like the mom stayed in this house because most people would piece the fuck out. I would have pieced the fuck out before my kid disappeared into the fucking evil abyss. But it, I, too, even as scared as I would be, would not leave if I lost, lost one of my child children somewhere in that house. So they no, had to uh, stay. Uh, but why keep the other kids? Public service announcement for the people at home that are listening to this. Unwanted uh, teen pregnancy is preferred over keeping your child in a house that's supposedly haunted. Yes. Continue. 
You're welcome. The more you know. Um, be safe. <laughs> be safe. Um, at this point in the movie, which don't make any, or, I mean, they, they give a reason, but it's like the paranormal researchers like leave, but the, 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 the lead paranormal researcher is like, I'll be back, you know? And it's like, okay, we still haven't solved our problem, but yeah. you know, here we are. Uh, Steve is visited by his boss and that's where we have the major scene, you know, with, with Teague or whatever, where he takes him up on the hillside. We have that, you know, uh, he, they, that's where they reveal Carol Ann was born in the house for whatever that, you know, we're going to go back into it, but whatever that means, uh, the cemetery did exist on the land, but it was moved five minutes away. Yeah. Uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And, uh, it's not an ancient Indian burial ground. Um, and then Steve has the great line, you know, it's like, uh, whenever he mentions, he's like, well, let's just move five minutes away. It's not that far. And then Steve's like, well, did anyone tell them? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the thing about this part of the, that, that scene in, in particular, that was a hell of a good scene. Cause it was, you, well, um, <laughs> coach did an amazing job of acting that scene out. Like it, you, it felt tangible and visceral. Like you could, the reaction he had to it, like that was a, that scene was a critical, not just the scene, but the acting in that scene was a critical aspect to frame it. Yeah, he had an epiphany. Not this epiphany. Well, you, it's, it, you could tell, like, to him, it, it like, the character itself brung on the emotion, like, how severe yeah. that was. It wasn't just a half-assed, like, he phoned it in and acted it. It yeah. was, like, it was a legit part of the movie. I've seen him in Trees yeah. Hills. He's a great actor. Well, just, I mean, just the look on his face, like when he, when he mentions this thing about the cemetery, it's like his whole demeanor changes. Like he, without even saying anything, you can tell it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Yeah. Is that, is, you know, huge. it's like, is that why we're doing this? I almost physically heard him say it, but <laughs> it was just the, it was just his emotion. He was just emoting it. Well, both of them too. Cause the other guy was just sleazy about it and he yes. sold the sleaziness. Like it, cause when he, when he <laughs> said it and made you immediately question like, well, did you really move it? Would you question yeah, it, moving moving things around in a graveyard at all like that? You personally? Morally, I would. I'd be like, holy shit. Like, you don't do that to the dead. I, I, see, I don't want to be buried. I don't want to be burned. I think it's, well, yeah. I think it's a waste, and I think it's super over-the-top disrespectful. Okay, that's for, great, but that, that I know, aside. I, I'm exp- you're, you asked my question. I'm going to try to give it to you. I think it's over-the-top <laughs> disrespectful that they think we should be burying people and taking up land that can be utilized for society. Okay. And, and so I, I find that to be uh, like, you're better off. Like, because w- let's understand what a graveyard is. Nobody really goes to graveyards. Let's be honest there. It's, you're talking about the people, out of all the people that are in graveyards, you get, you'd be lucky if you saw 3% foot traffic of yeah. the amount of people that are buried there. So we already understand that it's a wasted space. You're better off getting cremated and having an urn that, that can actually be legitimately passed down yeah. from household to household. You can go visit. Your loved one, right but there. That's a legit, and you're not actually taking up real estate that can be used productively for society. So you would definitely yeet a coffin to build something. Yes. To prospect. Okay, I that's, yeah. Not only that, but I, I think it. there's more, like, if I die and we need actual fertilizer and different stuff, I think people can make productive use of turning their bodies into compost to help per, fe, further produce society. People might disagree but I think it's better use of land and actual resources available to do that. I agree. And fun fact, um, moving coffins and moving bodies and moving graveyards in general is very fucking common. And there are places that now, because land is running out and where you can bury bodies, now they're making it to where you have to rent your yeah, grave site. Which is insane. 
And I don't know that that's necessarily a thing yet in America, but it's going to be happening in but America who, real fast. So the family pays for for Infinity? Correct. And not only that, so you're renting the spot, but if you don't pay your rent, you get yeeted. Well, how about this? How about the, by the time you have great great gang, grandkids that never interacted with you? Yeah. Now they're on the hook they're to pay for, for somebody. Yeah. And they don't know what kind of horrible piece of shit that person might have been. There's like a quantifier of other calculations. You, so you're paying for somebody you have, you have no attachment at oh, all yeah. other than lineage. And I, that you don't know the atrocities that person might have did in the process in their private life. Well, you'd be shocked to find. Because we always make people that die as holier than now. Oh, yeah. You don't ever speak bad about the dead. You'd be shocked to find that these great-great-grandchildren do not pay the rent. And so these bodies, right, currently in certain places, there's literally, and it's not obviously in America, but there's literally warehouses full of bodies unclaimed because their kids are not paying or their family's not paying that, rent. That, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's an insane They do get purged after a certain amount of time. I, I forget how many days it is before they get purged and they basically get cremated. But your body is a resource that has vitamins and nutrients and minerals that can be rather re regularly distributed to productive uses. The circle of life. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's like we don't we don't put animals in boxes and bury them. Why? Because that's insane. What are you talking about? How many dead animals do we have in our backyard? Yeah, they're not in coffins. <laughs> <laughs> Pescado has his own little, like, his own little fishy so, thingy. Why? Because so, I did. <laughs> here's my question. After all those years of paying rent for one of your relatives to, to be buried somewhere, do you get to build a house on top of that? Is that uh, the yeah. house that you build on their, their you know, Can you grade? write it off? Like, yeah, is that yeah, you're renting that land. Like, hey, can I, uh, can I just, um, you know, pitch a cabin right here or something <laughs> in the middle of this graveyard? You know what? That is, uh, you are asking all the right questions is what you're doing right now. Yeah, I I, def, I find the idea of burying ourselves in boxes and 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 not only that, but once you once you do that, you're you're removing resources from the natural ecosystem in the process. So I personally would not yeet a body to build. That's just me, like I said, morally. But I can see why people would. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that you just said about any of that stuff because honestly, I, I've thought about myself and I think I would rather be like you know cremated and like you know taking out like on a well, like some place that I like to hike to and just like have my yeah. you know ashes like you know dispensed there. Make sure but, I'm dead. Well, yeah, there's that. You don't want a whole Scrooge thing going on where you know you're you know getting burned alive inside the coffin. But uh, I would argue that I think people need to see the body in the, the in the coffin. Prior to all that, just to be able, I mean, a lot of people do to be able to, as part of the grieving process. Yeah. So if I don't, well, I don't yeah. argue that they, they need to be buried in the ground and like take up space. Cause I mean, you literally are just going there to stand over what you think is their body, which is, you know, or whatever. And that's the only, you know, but if they, if they did it in a different way where like, you know, they somehow, I don't know, they still had the burial, like you saw them in the coffin and all that to allow you to have the emotional part of it. But then, like, you know, after the fact, was able to, you know, use, you know, like you were talking about the body for different means, but then, like, gave you a place that you could say that's where they're buried, like, so mentally you could think that or whatever. Yeah. See, I think but you that know, it would be, you know, it's convenient. It's like a rental car. You well, use it for a couple days, next. Well, you know, it would be more awesome if you made a plaque with a picture of the person and then a, and a small summary of their life that was all in metal or something like that. And then you could pass that down because if you ever wanted to reflect, you would have a synopsis that's printed on that in a, a picture. A bit of, obituary that yeah. you don't have to pay for in the papers and it's some, there forever. But that's more of something you could pass down lineage-wise. Hey, these are 
part of your ancestral tree. These are these people. It's, yeah. To me, that I has no. I don't disagree with that at all. And honestly, on top of that, with today's technology, you could give them some kind of like you know tablet type thing. Oh that, yeah. You know, actually had maybe like pictures of them and you know through their you know like youth and you know as they were growing. And so you don't lose the memory of the person, even to people who never saw them. It's like this is your grandpa. This what? is what he looked like. You got music no. playing in the but, background. The people, Another one bites the dust comes on. But people are lazy. People don't rarely. People don't ever go to graveyards to really visit the dead. Let's be honest. That's yeah. Super I haven't gone to visit So any. if you had a placard at your house or some kind of indicator that has a synopsis of the person and a picture, it's something that you could walk by every time and remember them. Um, one more crazy coffin story, uh, and this is uh, somebody that you guys, uh, we mutually kind of know. Well, you and I, Noah, know her. Um, Reverend, you know of her. Um, tits on Hot Mess Express. Uh, her father, rest in peace, um, was cremated and distributed amongst the family, I think either in little urns or whatever containers or yeah. little rocks or something, because you can do that. You can crystallize them in a rock. It's really pretty and everything. But he also has a gravesite. There's no body in it. He has a whole gravesite to himself, and they go and they visit it, even though I believe he is, again, distributed amongst the family. That's the worst of both worlds. I don't understand it. I people grieve the way that they grieve, and obviously, I feel very terribly for my friend. But, yeah, but I do that's agree. just being selfish at that. Yeah. Now that being said, what if that area? Let's say that whole graveyard was like that. There was no bodies. Could you morally now landscape there? <laughs> what, just think about how insane that is. Like, I know. oh, well, I want this piece of property for this person. Yeah. Are you making use of it? No. Are they making use of it? Like. Yeah, at one point you have to logically start running down what you're really doing. Yeah, I don't know why they did it. I I don't know if it was the mom. She's Hispanic, so I don't know. You know, if it's goddamn anything. other cultures outside <laughs> the U.S. <laughs> it could be. It could very well be. So, like I said, I don't I don't claim to question how people do their mourning or why, but it is something to me that I and I have questioned her and I felt bad because they get emotional. See, and why? How, but how are you supposed to pass that down? So you're supposed to tell every single offspring, "Hey, let's go to this gravesite." They do. That's this, exactly what but they do. That's yeah. but it's there's yeah. this giant disconnect in that equation. At least when there's some kind of placard or something, because you can have a placard. Yeah, made. exactly. You can pass down that lineage from individual well, see, that's to That's the crazy thing. They have that. They have a piece of him literally to pass down because the body is not in the actual grave. So, I, yeah. And they, ha but how many of them actually show up to the gravesite? A lot. I see pictures every year. They, for Veterans Day. Okay, then, and then, then they're better people than they're, us. Yeah, they're utilizing it. I don't, I still don't get it. How long until that goes? Is it going to be lost in a generation? Mentally, here's my thing is that if it were my dad, this is just me. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but if I have my dad right here, okay, he's with me. But if I go to the grave, that's super far away, by the way. But if I go out there, I don't feel like my dad's there unless I bring the piece of him that I actually physically have, you know, with me. And then yeah, it's like. Let's be, the last thing I want to do is go to a graveyard to try to remember somebody. Yeah. Why I would know. I not stay in my own house yeah. and remember the ideas when they came over to I don't disagree visit. with that. Like, I mean, it's, 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 I've always kind of felt the same way. It's like you can conjure up the memory of them no matter where you're at. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, or, um, 100. <laughs> 
this whole argument though just kind of reminds <laughs> me of that just going back to that scene from like Night of the Living Dead both the, the original remake where like the brother's literally fighting with the, the his sister Barbara over that yeah Johnny's like telling her he's like why are we driving all the way out here she was kind of you know why did she have herself buried in the middle of friggin nowhere it's like you know that this is a waste of time we come out here every year just to stand for a few seconds put some flowers on the grave and have to drive the two hours back why don't we have her moved closer to you know where we live at and how long ago was that movie made again <laughs> oh my god <laughs> same questions arise this what are we doing it's a logical question but nobody wants to address or ask it they're like oh that's mean it's like well why can, yeah, no yeah can I, can I start with the question why yes Without you thinking that I'm being an insensitive prick, you know, yeah. about it. I legitimately want to know. You can't even say that anymore now. Like, hey, not being an asshole. I just legitimately want to know. And, like, immediately people are like, you're being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> well, fine. Well, let's they get butt hurt over yeah. everything, too. So, All right. I mean, shall we, that whole thing. Shall we move on to Tangina Barons? Yeah, let's go some Tangina here. I mean, uh, let's we got, jump into some Tangina. Who knows Tangina Barons? That's not how you pronounce it. Oh, I'm, that's how I pronounce <laughs> what the it. The hell, I assume it's Tangina or something. But uh, Zelda Rubenstein is the is the actress's name. That's the um, short lady with the squeaky voice. Yes. Okay. Yes. This house is clean. This house is um, clean. <laughs> Uh, Steve uh, doesn't trust her ability when she's first introduced because he's trying to talk to her mentally, but then she kind of reveals from the stairs. She's like, oh, I heard you. It's just that I didn't, I don't respond to parlor tricks or whatever. Yeah, that's how my husband would be. He'd be like, what the fuck did you just bring into our house? Like, well, what are you doing to change the situation? Uh, oh, there'd be a little quick trial error. Tri there'd be a trial little portion. Oh, yeah? This is what you are? What's testis? <laughs> That's, that's, not, that's not how Jesus works, and that's not how Tangina works. What's well, okay? a good thing? That's how I work. <laughs> oh, we're, if we're gonna act like this is science, let's let's put some hypothesis okay, together and but test it. Would theory. you at least give her the opportunity to prove first before you start questioning? Oh, it'd be it, yeah, but it would have to be hard science. All right. Was there so any hard science the in this that, film? That basically no. reveals everything that we've kind of discussed as being the problem points in the movie about Carol Ann's life force and the bright light and the souls, you know, can't move on. And there's the beast and whatever that, you know, yeah. I, I feel like that complicates things more than it really helps, but whatever. And, um, it, you know, and she's, she's basically saying that, uh, the dark spirits is speaking in Diane's voice and, and keeping Carol Ann, trapped there because she thinks mommy is with her oh, and, and that sort yeah. of thing um she's saying that uh and at one point in the movie she's saying that carol ann's trapped by the spirits and can't move uh because they, they've got hold on her and then and i don't know why the, you can tell me what your thoughts are on this like she she doesn't she has to have the dad reprimand reprimand her because mm -hmm. she's she makes this comment that or like they're talking and it's like you know steven says he's like i don't you know discipline the kids like that you know i don't and they're like it has to be you you know and like so it's it's up to him to be the asshole but why well, why hold does on. It to i don't think it's so much of an asshole but if you have if i don't know if you have kids or whatever but when you have kids this is a realistic factor that is so true. My wife can tell my kids a couple different times to do something and then they might do it once or twice, but then they get, they, they, you, you get to see it with single moms a lot. Kids at a certain point don't take moms serious a lot of times. But well, when a, when a guy steps in and says it, everything changes. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I think it's the it's, booming it's, voice. If, 
It's also the physicality. I was going to say, yeah. My dad, too. My dad was a big guy. I mean, he's as tall as I am now. I'm like 6'3". And, like, you know, he, as a kid, you know, him towering above you, he gave you that look. It's like, you know, he lowered his voice. It's like I said to it now, you know, like you was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, Sorry. I mean, granted, like, I, okay, he said I, I'm not the enforcer. She's the one. Yes. I think a majority of the time I'm the one enforcing the rules because the husband's working. He's fixing things around the house. He's doing things. It is my job. But then when I can't. When they're not taking me seriously, he has to step in, and that's when shit happens, you know? Yeah, I, I usually don't go about repeating myself. I just do shit now. Like it, gets, <laughs> it gets an immediate outcome. So it, it made sense to me, basically, is that, like, yeah, she I, might be I mean, sitting there telling them what the fuck to do, and for the most part they listen, but there's going to be that one time when dad has to get involved. Wait till it, your father it, gets home. It was a big thing back in the 80s. Because it holds oh, true. Yeah. It's, it's a scare factor. Well, it wasn't something that like was totally like I I couldn't understand it, but it was just like at the the thing I bring it up is like he he's right like in the movie he never shows that part of himself like he's pretty easy going yeah. as a dad with his kids yeah one hundred I think they did a good what? job though because then they had him he's like hey do it and do it now and it happened <laughs> and then it, it happened so I think I think it was pretty well represented well, the, the big thing too is also you you didn't get a day by day time by time minute by minute. Yeah, this movie just jumped right into shit. So there might have been times where he he stepped up and was that authority figure that did do it. But, I mean, as a parent, you don't, like, even now to this day with my kids, the ages they are, there's not too many times I got to really do that anymore. There's times when they're they're Mickey Mousing and fucking around where I got to do it. But other than that, it doesn't need to happen that much. So once you go ahead and say what you're going to say. I was going to say, I would argue, though, as far as the movie goes, it'd be more co- coherent. Oh, and yeah. It would make better sense if, like, say that scene where Robbie came in there and said he was scared, you know, wherever they were laying on the bed, if he did exactly what you said earlier. Oh, yeah. Like, like fuck if off. He was a little bit more forceful and was like, go back to your room, son. Yeah. You know, he you're was fine. very motherly. Like, he, he took a little him bit in. of an edge then. Well, you, it would have worked better. But you saw a glimpse of it, too, at the end when he was walking and the bike was in the way and he jumped his kid's shit. Like, hey, you need to move your goddamn bike. I'm yeah. So that is true. Th- so you yeah. saw a glimpse, but that stuff like that should have been precursors in the early part of the movie to set the framework up. That the dad will he he yields, but he doesn't back down when the time needs to arise when he needs to lay down the law. If anything, that scene should have happened in the beginning of the film. Yes. Yeah, it would have been more cohesive. It would have tied it in together a little bit better. You know, kind of bonded uh, what was happening in this particular scene. Yeah. The, the that, way, that was my main, like, you know, point I wanted to bring up is, yeah. is it came out of nowhere. And, like, he even calls attention to it, which makes it a little worse. Yeah. Know, well, like, and, and, and granted, like I said, it works because, yes, he did acknowledge, well, I'm not usually the one who does this. But that doesn't mean at the end of the day that when you do it, it doesn't hold its weight. You know, like it, it you could not be the enforcer. And once that big booming voice comes through, kids are going to fucking get straight real fast. <laughs> Kind of like those scared straight things that yeah, exactly. they, they do or whatever, where they get the big guys from prison. It's like, I'm going to rape your ass if you come in here, boy. You know, like, that's what like. <laughs> the fuck you in here for? And the kids are just like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck you in here for? I stole something. The fuck you stole? Bikes. Bikes. <laughs> I stole lives, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, God. So you've got so that happens and then they get real technical with this now. They they use tennis balls and rope to, to venture into the afterlife. Oh I my mean God, you, you gotta get you gotta get technical on this shit now. Oh, I mean Hey, if I can drove home. Okay, wait a second. So though. hard to Those watch balls, that balls okay, the balls that came through, I, I, I saw them go in 
as tennis balls. Did they? I, I know they came out as balls, but were they still? They got tennis coated. Balls? They got coated with that stuff. That stuff. Okay, I was like, why they, is there like? They looked like the baseballs that uh, the the dog from uh, Sandlot grabbed hold of. If, if yeah, yes. I mean that's probably a reference only a few will get. Okay, but that's literally what they looked like. Yeah, that I makes mean. sense because he was like, I see my handwriting. I was like, I can't see shit. Well, they basically got coated in the same stuff the mother and daughter yes. coated. It's like some kind of ectoplasm. The placenta. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a neat little scene between uh, Tangina and uh, Diane at this point where she's like, Tangina's like, help me tie this rope around my waist. And Diane's like, what do you think you're doing? And Tangina's like, I'm going in after her. And Diane's like, "You won't, she won't come to you. Let me go. And Tangina's like, you've never done this before. And Diane's like, neither of you. And Tangina just pauses. She's like, you're right. Go. <laughs> you that <know>. was <laughs> such a horrible. Why was that in the movie? Just to give Just, that like comedic relief right before a nothing, major tense, but there that wasn't comedic at all. I didn't land. I thought it was funny. It it's it funny. was like stupid I funny. It was, it was okay. Yeah. It, it, which speaking of that, I got to throw something back. Go way back. Uh, the one good thing that that little, the girl does that's Egon Spangler's daughter in Ghostbusters Afterlife is she tells uh, just a torrent of dad jokes throughout the whole oh, movie. God. That's the only way she can connect with people, and some of them are so bad they're good. So, but, but that's the thing is that, that lady doesn't have any any framework to indicate she's some kind of joker. No, no, not at all. Neither one of them in this particular scene, especially for what they're about to do. Yeah. So, yes, I could see that scene. It's like, why? But I could totally see me having that argument. Like, you're not going to go in there and get my child. I'm going to go. It would have worked better if the husband and wife were the one having that exchange. And the husband's like, and the husband made that commentary. I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, true. But the, the, like the you've reason You've never why been either. Like, that, it, the, the comedic aspect. Because they already have a goofy relationship, comedic in nature. Yeah. You've seen that in the beginning of the movie. So if they would have made them two the ones doing that, it would have landed. The problem, though, oh, yeah. is that... Oh, or, you're saying if Steve was the one that yes. was saying that to Diane? Yeah, oh, yeah the husband and wife. 100% been yes, better. Yes, but you got to remember, even though Tangina has not been into a vortex like this before, she's the one who got them to this point. Because you got to remember, they couldn't even get into the room. Oh, hold on. So she has, she nothing, has gotten them this far. Nothing about this lady screams that she's going to fly in the face of evil and put athletic ability in front. I mean, you don't know because there's all it can be is she's inferred. She's five foot. She's closer to hell. She's probably, that's why short people <laughs> she are mean. She looks like hell. Okay, come she on. Does. That's why she's not scared. No, but it's, nothing it's, about her screams adventurer. No, not the at all. The wife screams adventurer. The husband screams adventurer. So they were better representations of the argument taking place. Well, yes, but like I said, she just because she hasn't been in here yet, she got them this far, so she thought in her mind, Tangina thought that she was going to be the okay. one. This lady to go through. Tangina granted, is a horrible actor. She okay, but actress. she didn't. She didn't go. At the end of the day, she didn't, and that's why for me the scene works. I'm just glad she died in the third one. Oh, come on with the spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well, uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Death Holler. I'm La Arena, Reverend Dr. Death, and uh, we will catch oh, you in the next episode. Are we just going to blank over the fact that you told that, that joke in a roundabout way about, like, shore women, why they're full of hells, or why they're so... They're uh, meaner because, because closer to hell. we're I mean, closer that, to hell. Out there. Give you props for that oh, one, I mean. That, he, my husband has um, first-hand experience. He has been with lots of short girls. We are not to be messed with. Um... Here, here's the reason that I think Tangina is is a problem in this movie is because this very next scene where Steve comes up there because they got to have Steve there because he's the only one that can hold the oh, rope because yeah. I mean you know and you know he's 
she doesn't tell him anything about what she's planning on doing. Oh, and yeah. This is the reason that she fails and why I said earlier that she helps question mark. She's sitting there and she's told him the entire time, Helen doesn't need to go to the light. She she's she needs to stay away from it. In this scene, she specifically tells Carol Ann, she's like, run to the light, Carol Ann. That's like the this is the line everybody remembers from this movie. And the dad naturally looks around like, what the fuck did you just say? You said not to run to the light. And he yeah. starts freaking out and he starts like pulling the rope back. And then she's like, don't, Steve, it's too soon. Why didn't she tell him? It's not like the spirits would have like, you know, been listening in or anything. If I mean, it, I, I don't understand like her thinking in this scene. Like, don't tell the frightened dad that I've got something I want to do. Just, you know, stay cool with it. I'm, or, okay. It, it, it makes no sense. You remember before they did this, she said specifically to, um, oh, why can't I think of the mom's name right now? Diane. Okay, Diane. She says to Diane, will you do whatever I tell you to do and not question even if it's something you think that you should not be doing? And granted, that was the mom, but they were all present for this. He was there. He heard. So, yes, it kind of, I was thinking the same thing too, like, whoa, she didn't tell him. But at that point where they had made it into the room finally after the spirits were not letting him in the room, do you think she had time to explain any questions he was going to have? Because he was going to have some follow-up questions. She could have gave him a quick refresher. It's like, listen, do what I say. It's going to seem weird or yeah. something really quick before she just, but I mean, she, did she is do the that, cause though. of her own problems. Yeah, but she did kind of do that. He just wasn't paying attention. He was phoning it in. So it's not like she didn't give them a disclaimer is all I'm I saying. I feel like she was phoning it in. <laughs> it, it was her first time. Then why are you going to act like she's the expert? You gotta, you just gotta. She specifically said, "You gotta just go with what I'm doing. You just gotta do what I do." That she said we've it. Already, we've already established that Steve doesn't trust her. Even I mean, before yeah, this, true. So, so she should have known going forward that I've got a guy who's kind of a skeptic. I need to at least, uh, you know, allay his fears a little bit before because I mean, you know, a dad's gonna fight for his 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 wife true, and his yeah. you know daughter. I mean, you know, and when he's got, he's had everybody, he had the lead researcher before this and her both say, you know, she don't go into the light. Yeah. Yeah. Stay as far away as possible. And now she's saying it's almost like, you know, what, what is she saying? Is she going to get my, you know, get both of them lost to me? You know, that's, he's freaking out. Yeah. So I don't know. Here's what I got to say. Did they die? (laughs) Did All right. Die? Yeah. <laughs> they did. If you look at uh, times gone by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> at that given moment, okay? Um. So this is the part where the, the beast, the large skull appears or whatever out of the closet, you know, because he, you know, he does that too soon or whatever. It kind of reveals that. And, you know, but they, they get pulled out on the other side and you got the reverse birth. We've kind of talked about that with the ectoplasm placenta kind of covering both of them. And they even had to take Carol Ann into the, And I don't know if this is a callback to the fact she was born in the house, but like they have her in the bathtub and like they have to kind of pull the placenta off her face yeah. and like wake her, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the only tie to her being born in the house that, that they kind of go with. Yeah. Spiritually, um, she was reborn. <laughs> And then there's the famous line, this house is clean, which mm-hmm. it's bullshit. She lied. <laughs> uh, go back after this, edit in the Mari Povich determined this was a lie. Yeah. We, we want that clip in there um, <laughs> because it's not over, folks. We've got the last part yeah, of this movie where the shit really hits the fan. But she's an expert. <laughs> yeah, she's so good at what she does. 
<laughs> just point um, out, we she, just had a conversation that apparently she's the expert. Hey, she got the child back, okay? That was probably the most important thing. And then at this the point... The tests have proved that this is a lie. Okay, here's the thing. Before, Because we're getting to the end of this film, which is great. Because here's the thing. How was the mom so fucking comfortable sleeping in that house again after what had happened with her kids? Fuck the house, putting them back in that room. Yes, thank you. So, like, this house is clean. I'm glad you feel that way. And I'm glad you got my child back. Like, I would be eternally grateful that she got my child back. Yes, there was some questionable things that happened, but what the fuck ever, I got my kid back. Now, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm not coming back to this place. And the husband leaving them there, like, I'm just going to, I'll be home early. Motherfucker, you didn't get home till he like midnight. He probably wasn't expecting the wife to put the kids back in the room. Because common sense would tell you probably that's a bad call. He said, no, no, no. He said, if the kids get tired, just let them conk out. Yeah, but he didn't somewhere else in the, in the house, and they had been sleeping in the living room for like months at this that's point. That's true. Like, that's I mean. true. Uh, it was. Oh my god. Why? Okay. Anyways, let's move on because that you, was. Do you think they had a conversation she, later, like, like when they're at the hotel? It's like, hey, motherfucker, what the fuck was that about? Why were they in the room? You stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you got to remember too, she she left them to have a nice warm yes. bath and maybe I would private def- session. I would the, definitely do that. I would definitely. Okay, maybe not the private <laughs> session, but that water wasn't even near as hot as I would prefer it to be, even though it was steaming up the whole goddamn room. I like to burn in my water. I like to boil, okay? That's because so, you're close to hell. I mean, she's yeah. a, she looked like she was and a more, bit taller than that. More so. in my natural state, yes. Yeah, so that's why she had hers a little cooler, a degree cooler. But that being said... Yes, I could totally see myself jumping into a hot bath because that was some stressful shit she went through. I thought, because it's been so long since I've seen this movie, I thought something bad was going to happen in the water. But uh, no, that's not what happened. No, that, that's where we get the, the rapey spinning room scene yes. that comes right after this. Which, I mean, she was um, ass naked in the tub. You couldn't like try to... Do you know what the, she was slippery. She couldn't get away. The problem is every time I see this movie, all I think is a scary movie franchise. Oh yeah, where the I think it was the second one where the clown pulls Mary to bed and it goes opposite. I was ready to oh say yeah, that exact yeah. scene. Where <laughs> every time I see this, all I think is like like that movie ruined that scene for that's me. That's where the that, okay, that's where that yeah. clown reminds me. Hey, what me are you of. doing? I'm like, why have I seen this here before? Okay, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's like Ray Ray wants to have some fun, and then like the clown's like, ah, oh, screaming. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, there's a, I was getting ready to say there's a scene where the clown doll finally attacks Robbie, you know, pulls him under the bed. And then, of course, in my mind, I cannot unsee Scary Movie 2, which is actually one of the best ones. In the, or I actually like it better than the first one, honestly, because of some of the references. But it, that scene where he does that, it just it totally eclipses it in your mind after you've seen it. You oh, yeah, big time. At that point. Rewrites it. Um <laughs> And this scene where Diane's spinning around the room might have also inspired another scene in Scary Movie Two, where um, Big Big Daddy Kane or whatever the 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 bad you know the the, the pimp ghost that's in the house, oh my God. played by the you know basically Bull from uh, Night Court. We've already mentioned him during uh, at one point in the podcast. Uh, but he's like, yeah, he's kind of getting all rapey with Cindy at night or something like oh, that. Oh, he's having his way so. with her. He's just shoving his, his ghost oh, back yeah, in her in mouth. Her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it kind of reminds you of what Diane's going through in that spinning room is like, she's getting, you know, like moved around. She just, you know, if she had been asleep. She would have just thought it was her husband trying to get a little extra handsy with her. Hey, he spent some time on the Nautilus. Okay, he he, <laughs> he 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 put in his time. He needs to get he needs to get payback. Okay. Oh my god. That's all I'm gonna say. 
uh, <laughs> you have the the big skeleton monstrosity appears at one point in this scene. That was pretty well done. That, that looked like a Ghostbusters monster. That's what it I really said. That's did. the one I was talking about. The that was coming out of like it was attached to yeah. the door still. Yeah. Yes, that one specifically. Um, uh, we have this one scene where she gets sparked and flies. Like I said, that looks awful. That's a, that's a Spielberg edit. It has to be where it's like, oh, we can't have her have her head slam on the ground. We what, have to have her lightly float. What the thing too, if you float. if you know anything about science, you understand for that to have happened, the voltage had to be astronomically high. You so, know, okay. She so, would have had the amount of spirits, I mean, the amount of so spirits bad. that are I in mean, this house, the, she probably got sparked, and then a spirit probably gracefully threw her against it's, the wall it's not, and slid it, her down. Well it's, well, it's not her being thrown. It's the fact that you touched something with the voltage was so high that it pushed you back. Yeah. Okay, that usually stops your heart. Jurassic Park's a prime example of that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so that's another Spielberg film. He he learned over time, apparently. Yes, he did. He learned, like, oh, that fell apart a little bit. Yeah. I'm just thinking, though, if you touch it and the voltage is so high, it shot you back 15 feet. Yeah, you might want to. Look it, at You have electrical knowledge, okay? Lots of it in your career. So you don't get to talk about this because you have actual knowledge of it. Yeah, that's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing common sense because the movie apparently threw <laughs> but apart. Most people watching it don't hey, have my that. My dad was so. an electrician. I, I, I thought the same thing when I saw this shit. I'm like, this makes this, this is stupid. <laughs> you know? I was like, dang, that bitch is getting tossed. That's all I was um, thinking. It, 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 it goes back to some, a movie we were discussed in the previous season of Death Holler, uh, The Omen, where they have the scene of the, the mom and she's falling to the ground or whatever. Oh, and my God. Flip and she, she barely grazes the ground. I thought the same thing when I saw this. No. I'm like, that, that's just a, you know, the same scenario. Super slow. And then she just turns and lands like she's sleeping sideways. <laughs> Yeah, it's like oh, there was no thud, there was no loud. I mean, Nothing. I know you didn't like House of that well. <laughs> I, I know you weren't the biggest fan of House of the Devil, but that movie was visceral. Whenever they hit, they hit. Yeah, like that's they, true. They made sure there was definitely plopping and splattering and stuff like that. So yeah. Um. So you have this is the big scene in the movie where Diane falls into the pool of corpses as her coffins are erupting out of the ground in the water. Probably the best scene in the movie. In oh my yeah, opinion. and probably like, one of the most notorious scenes of this film. See, you, you know what would have been awesome if there was more precursors, like like them having visions when they're in the house of of coffins popping out and 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 but like they could have did a big framework to lead up to because it would have made that part scarier. If all of a sudden randomly have. they would see visions inside the house of corpses is breaking through and sticking out and like kind of reaching for it would, it would have set the framework so when she went in the pool even though the corpses didn't do anything it would have been way more scary like oh my god they're gonna try to grab her yeah because I, I thought that, but see i thought they were gonna do that anyways even without you, knowing you know that What's funny in the second movie, they have that exact scene you're talking about because she's got PTSD and she's like reliving it in her sleep oh. and she gets grabbed by the corpse hands or whatever while she's in, you know, like in, in her sleep in the dream or whatever. It's like they did the reverse. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of learn from it. Yeah. I mean, but like, you know, what? also doesn't make sense in this film because I was thinking, well, that's great. But how would that work? Because they've been living in that house for eight years, seven years. And this they haven't been seeing it up until this point. So, but then again, nothing makes sense because why all of a sudden did all the poltergeist activity just start after they've been living in this house for seven Hold years? Hold on. This is where this really doesn't make sense. Because if they're building the foundation for a house, that means there's underground. The underground's probably going to be close to the area 
of the plumbing. Yes. So if they're digging down to put sewer and electricity and all these other factors into the house, they would have run across these coffins in the process of doing that. And not only that, but they're building a swimming pool in the backyard, and they would have ran across the coffins then. And that swimming pool is way more than six feet deep, and that's when well, the even corpse- the underground, the underground's and it's, uh, yeah. Well, and it's also spread far enough apart that they just like you were saying they would have hit a, a coffin at one point in the, the the point of digging that up. I mean, there's no, even if you assume that they were in a part of the cemetery that didn't get filled in, which is. I mean, you have to jump to a lot of conclusions to even come to that point. But, I mean, it wouldn't have been as far as that swimming pool was. I'm an expert on how graveyards are done, and I just want you guys to know that the the corpses just weren't in that area. Yeah, but the, That's the, how it works. The mental <laughs> gymnastics that took place right at the end, it was just like, oh, my God, what the f- – you guys had the whole movie stru- – like, they could have said, like, when they were building the pool, like, they ran across something weird or – Hey, we found a coffin. That would have led the framework for him to question the developer to set more of a better framework. They could have ran it to a nice, logical, linear, like, framing of what was the underlying issue. Are we going to, like, not even question about how um, coffins were breaking through concrete slabs? Well, no. Base of the house? <laughs> because how a coffin busted through the garage door? I know, but that's different. Uh, because if the ghosts are now in full output, then that's different. Now you've took the entire idea of what the ghosts are doing, and you've let them run what a, what what you're in your head you think a ghost would do. The proper terminology is yeah. poltergeist. They do not prefer to be called ghosts. Whatever, but I'm saying if you would have set the groundwork to let them know. Yeah. Because if, the, if they were digging up that backyard and they uncovered a coffin, you now have the entire structure of the story to be put in a place where you can question the developer he works for. It starts to tie in what the, some of the issues are. You get a better idea. But then at that point, they would have been liable to explain the rest of the housing development not yeah. having those issues. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, and- though. I I find, I find found it to be a, a frightful surprise when all these corpses started popping up. And granted, it made sense because oh, there was a conversation that took place. You still would have been scared if they were in Like at the end, if they were still popping out like they were, that would have you still would have been scared. I would have had more questions as to why so, they stayed after they knew there was corpses there. Because it happened. They, well, they ahead. they set the framework up that they had to stay because Caroline was trapped in the house. So, oh, I mean, true. Well, that's yes, the okay. framework they operated on. But here's the thing. But what about uh, when they were digging you're, up you're, the pool, though? I that agree was with prior. Both of you. <laughs> I agree with both of you in the sense that, like, you know, at the point in the movie where they start popping up out of the ground, and even in this scene with the pool, it's because the ghosts are, you know, highly pissed off. Like the beast is at play. Like yeah. that's why they're they're coming out. Why I agree if they would have had the scene earlier where like if they'd only discovered one coffin, it would have set up so much yeah, better for the movie. That's true. They that's but Spielberg and I know it had to be him because of the way he his family friendly and all that stuff. He that's when he substituted the Tweety Bird in in place of it. That's where you get like oh. the, the Tweety getting dug up instead of the the the, the coffin. You know, by yeah, the, but the even guys then, that are digging that- the pool. That that was, I, I don't think it didn't have that same. It didn't play as well. No, it didn't. I'm, I'm, especially because <laughs> they already had the they already had the framework in play. Now, the, the the end of it tells you that the framework was there. They just decided not to use it. Yeah, until you had to you had to either infer or you figured it out at the end, which I personally don't find a problem with. See, because they could have did way more creepier things if they uncovered the coffin and then after you had the conversation with the developer. Then they could have got really creepy with coffins popping up, yeah. Like in in like as as ghosts, and then being gone in the blink of an eye. Well, you could have, could have, would have. That's just, what part two is for. 
Okay. And, and and how much, I mean, it would have been creepier, granted, I mean, had that scene, but also how, how much, I mean, they could have even had Teague, they could have developed him a little bit more and made him even skeevier because he could have explained away. It's like, oh, that's just that one place. Like, you yeah. just found the one coffin. Maybe they missed it. You know, maybe that yes. was in the middle He could have bullshitted it. He could have yeah. been like, oh, what? He's all, I could, they, they promised we had everything. I'm going to go talk to these people about this. Yeah. You, you exactly. could have made him even sleazier. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess that takes us up to uh, you, son of a bitch. You moved the cemetery, but you didn't move oh, the bodies. Oh yes, this line. Uh, you know, you, well, you have the uh, the her saying, "Oh God, help me." Whenever she, the only time in the movie where like Diane gets religious is where she's like trying to save her kids from that fleshy portal beast. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh God, help me." It's like, okay, you you wait a little too long yeah. to try to get God on your side, woman. But you know, whatever. Isn't that people um, in general? That's that's always how it goes. You wait until the last moment, and then then you turn to religion. That's that's not a, a Catholic statement. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying, but that's that's people in general. People don't practice religion, and all of a sudden, when they're in this existential crisis, it's like, oh my God, help yeah. me! <laughs> <laughs> but then you have the bodies bursting out of the ground, uh, and then like literally out of the concrete and, and the through the you know the flooring and everything out the, the foundation. And you have that great line, you know, Craig T. Nelson, and he delivers this so well in the movie when he's screaming at Teague. He's like, you son of a bitch. You moved the cemetery, didn't you? But you didn't move the bodies. You son of a bitch. Why didn't why did you move the bodies? Or you left the bodies, but you uh, moved the tombstones. Yeah. And then he starts screaming, why? <laughs> that, was a, that was a good part of the movie. That really, I just wish they would have set more up on that, man. That, but that was an awesome part. You know what was not a good scene? The one that followed right after where the daughter gets dropped off by her boyfriend in a Trans Am. Because, you know, 16-year-olds are driving <laughs> you know around in those. He was hanging out doing homework together. Uh-huh. And There's she's no just staring and screaming, and they're yelling at her to get in the car. I and mean, all the, the yelling all she can and, do is like blankly scream. That was What's that was horrible. That was so annoying. I think in I would have opened the door as a dad grabbed her by her fuck clothes and threw her in. Like you dummy, let's get the fuck out of here. I think everybody's screaming <laughs> at the dad to start the car, screaming at the top of their lungs while he's trying to get the key. I don't think that was helping. Like no. just nonstop, just people screaming in his ear. I'm surprised he didn't turn over and slap the shit out of them. I would have loved to seen that. Actually. Calm down, goddammit. Yeah, shut the fuck up. I'm trying. <laughs> I wanted to see that. I'm 100 percent with you, but I want to give credit to Teague in this scene, the actor who played Teague, because he's given that look in this movie that you get in both Return of the Living Dead one and two. That look of just abject, like you know, what the fuck am I oh, in yeah. the middle the of? The skeletons you know, like came out of the closet. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it's when all your misdealings come in full bore to bear. Um, and then, of course, the house collapses in on itself with a massive burst of energy. Uh, and and the weird thing, I mean, that scene was filmed. The funny thing about it was it was filmed. Uh, they used like some kind of massive like industrial vacuum uh, at the same time that they had a bunch of the and, and they would never get by with this, especially after what happened recently with Alec Baldwin. But, you know, leave that <laughs> as it is, where a bunch of the crew members. What, what did Alec Baldwin do? Blasting the house with holes, you know, with a shotgun while the vacuum was working working to suck it you know back in is that what happened <laughs> that's how they said they filmed that what <laughs> so <laughs> yes out of all the they ways to do it that seems like the most inept way of doing it that, and they only had one take to get it done <laughs> so because <laughs> obviously so what was the house was it a giant aired up house or something I don't know. I mean, like it, uh, they, the one that they collapsed had to have been like some kind of air thing or Inflatable. like some kind of, you know, 
yeah, like some kind of thing that they did like that. But that's literally how they filmed it. Like they the pump action shotguns, you know, just blasting the thing while they had a vacuum, like sucking it in on itself. That is such <laughs> a weird way to do that. Okay, it's a weird way, but like for all the excitement that was going on in the film, I was like, okay, it fucking works. Yeah, you know, it did. I, yeah, I give it that. So I'm not, I'm not I, even going to talk I, shit about it. I like that singing that singularity disimploding on itself. I want to I want to give a, a shout out to the uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror because they had this one episode early in their show, uh, early in the the uh, it might have been the second season or, or the, that they did that, uh, which it was called Bad Dream House. Oh yeah, and basically it, it's a combination of Poltergeist and uh, Amityville Horror. Uh, but the house is like talking to them and it's like trying to get them to kill themselves. And, you know, and eventually Marge gets fed up and gives it an ultimatum. It's either got to live with them or it, it, you know, it moves on and it's sitting there thinking and it's like, and, and she's like, well, what, you know, how's it going to be? And then like, he's in the house, like, let me think about it for a second. Uh, eternity with the Simpsons or destroy myself. Eternity with the Simpsons or destroy. And then it collapses in on itself because <laughs> living with the Simpsons is that terrible of a proposition. Oh, yeah. so. Well, in the beginning, they're all scared. And as time goes on, they just accept all the horrible yeah. things happening. Like the blood coming out of the Simpsons. Like, yeah, that's fine. Like everything <laughs> yeah. became like normalized and the house couldn't Actually, like rationalize it. Yeah, actually, at one point, uh, Bart's like tipped, and it's like, do that blood thing again. And he's like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh um, my god. And then, of course, the movie ends with the family going to the Holiday Inn Motel. They roll the TV outside like Fred Flintstone throwing the cat out of yeah. the front door, and then the, that Jerry Goldsmith la 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 and play it over the end of it. And which it's been criticized. I think I don't know who really said it, that the music in this was way too Disney like for the movie they were trying to go for. Yeah, it was way too accurate. soft and there was no, it, it didn't build any anticipation at all. <laughs> there was no, like a good horror movie. needs an, an, a score that anticipates dread in some factor. And that never, that never translated. <laughs> Um, but it, it, it is an iconic scene just seeing that TV pushed out. Yeah. I, I do like that. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, I, and I was thinking too, when that was happening, I was like, I'm probably, they probably never want to see another TV ever fucking again. Uh, they make a point of it in the second movie. They, they, he won't let, he won't let any of them like Robbie's like, dad, it's been long enough. Don't you think that, you know, I should be able to watch TV? And he's like, no, hell no. You're not watching TV ever. You know what happened? And then the son, Robbie says, well, I'm going to grow up retarded. I think it's literally <laughs> what he says because I don't have, you know, all my friends, you know, are able to watch TV and I can't. Wow. <laughs> Which is probably the, the opposite. He would have probably been smarter for not watching yes. TV, but we won't get into that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, and we've already kind of discussed this about Toby Hooper did not direct this movie. You know, that's the controversy. I don't feel like he did. He was there. He was on set. I'm not get, not saying the man didn't do his job. Yeah. But that face ripping scene is literally the only thing that feels like he, him in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, the Directors Guild of America actually launched an investigation in to make sure that uh, Hooper's involvement wasn't being downplayed because Spielberg, in his infinite wisdom when he was promoting the movie, kept taking credit for everything. Oh, which, my God. You know, makes sense because he did. Yeah. But, I mean, he kept saying, well, I did this and I did that. And there was, the people started talking, and they, they launched an investigation. They was like, did, you, did Hooper not get any credit for doing this whatsoever? And then he had to backtrack, and he made a big public apology, you know, and, and stressed how much Hooper really helped uh, him. JK, and, you know, JK, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> 
Um, but he definitely micromanaged the entire thing. You can tell it's, yeah. it's, it's a Spielberg movie. Um, we've talked about the curse. Oh, I, I did not mention this. Those skeletons, the reason that everybody thinks that this curse is real is because those skeletons that were popping up at the end of the movie, especially in the pool, were all real skeletons that they used. They were all supposedly like the bodies of like uh, like Indians, like from India, you know, not Native Americans, but which kind of funny because the ancient Indian burial ground, oh they my used God. Indian, <laughs> Indian skeletons. So, hold on, hold but on. Supposedly. So... <laughs> Doing any other stuff to make it really scary was outside the wheelhouse, but bringing in real corpses or skeletons to fill those roles, that was acceptable? Well, they're from India. Well, well the value wasn't very the high. Here's the thing. That prop that prop guy that was so pissed off that everybody claimed that there was a curse about this movie that I was talking about earlier, he was explaining it. He said... People they use they use real life skeletons in most films. He's like, do you remember Frankenstein where Fritz like bumps into the skeleton at the beginning of the movie? And he's like, that was real. He's like, you know, this movie, that movie. You know, he was talking about like Frank or William Castle's movie House of Hunt Hill. He said that was a real skeleton. Yeah, but he said they used them on. because they were cheap. He but, said it was actually cheaper to use real skeletons on loan from like you know some oh, kind of medical facility. But, but there, that was he, to actually, they're also comparing uh, that to movies that are from like thirty years prior. <laughs> Like, oh, I agree with you. And there was like, only one skeleton in each one of those movies he makes the argument about. Okay, so <laughs> that it was cheaper to import real skeletons than to have plastic skeletons. Yes, that's I don't what he buy argues. it. I like, don't buy it. Yeah, I, 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 um, I can't wrap. You're going to tell me Hollywood doesn't have a plethora of these skeletons already to be rent out for loan for movies that need skeletons. Well, now they probably do. But even then, they probably did. I, I don't know. And you know what? Here's the thing. is like, as an actress, I you couldn't pay me enough to go into a muddy pool with real skeletons. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's insane. Right until they show you a couple million dollars. That's fucking insane. <laughs> I would have some fucking questions. Like, why can't we afford? Oh, you're going to pay me a couple million. Cool. I'm going to take some of that money and buy some fucking skeletons. How many do we need? We need 30. You want 30? I will pay for that shit. <laughs> Send those back to where they belong. Send them home. Here, yeah. Here's the thing. They can make the argument all they want to about these skeletons and, and you know, how that shouldn't affect anything because they're used commonly. Well, first of all, there's a lot of Hollywood films that are supposedly cursed. So yes. they, they can say what they want to, but, I mean, there's that. And if you want to throw out there, I mean, even if you're, you know, an atheist or whatever, you got to, you got to, I mean, at least in my opinion, you've got to at least admit there's some bad juju that you're creating by getting a bunch of corpses. Yes. And like throwing them together, like un, and, and like just playing around with them, basically, like not giving them the respect whatsoever. Yeah, it's a hundred percent exploitative. You know. I need a sworn statement and an affidavit from each corpse saying that prior to them dying and becoming a skeleton, that they wanted to be an actor and they wanted their skeleton to be used on set. Yeah, the, the worst thing you can do, which is exploit anybody, is exactly what's happening. Yes, and they made a film about it. And exploiting a dead body. I mean, like I, he can make the argument whatever he wants to in that. I'm just saying that. And 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 the funny thing is, is that they tried to play off in the beginning of that cursed films episode about this. That you know, it was a rumor that the, they were you know fakes, you know, real skeletons versus fake ones. That guy, he's he comes in at the end of it. He basically admits he's like, you know, he doesn't say that they were real, but he's like, yeah, we use real skeletons all the time. So he he didn't deny that they were real skeletons. So I think that confirms that they really did use a bunch of dead bodies in this scene, and that 
I mean, I could see that being the potential for a curse. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, 100. <laughs> oh, my God. That is ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, and we've kind of mentioned this already, but the cultural impact of the, the film, I mean, it's it's hard to downplay. I mean, like, you got Scary Movie 2 making parodies. Yeah. The Simpsons making parodies. Uh, the ancient Indian burial ground theme just is, I mean, it's in poultry guest. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they use that well, basis. What, what year, what year does pet cemetery come out? What year did that come out? Uh, it was oh, early nineties, like 91, 92. I mean, uh, I, as I, far as when King wrote it, I don't know. 1989. I it it might've been right after this film too. Oh yeah. I'm curious if he got the, not, not that, but it, it might've gave him the, the, the passion or the, the idea or the structure to try to put it together. Hold I on. was speaking of that. Do you know who was originally tapped to write this movie, but they couldn't work it out with him? Stephen King. Okay, listen <laughs> oh, to this. Oh, he probably had a, to- a totally different direction. Uh, the movie Pet Cemetery came out in 1989, but the book Pet Cemetery, 1983. Yeah, Right after this movie. Yeah, he was probably on a coke bender watching it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh man what if, what if they did bury like what if they did the reverse and they buried bodies in the cemetery no, but, oh my but, God. but Stephen King did it the right way he actually made a horror movie so they set the structure and they failed at it to a degree and Stephen King's like I got this. Let me help you yeah, out. Yeah, let me show you how it's done. <laughs> yeah. Hold my cocaine mirror. For oh my God. <laughs> No, because Pet Cemetery is a more it's it's the sh- the one that hits. Pet Cemetery is super well done. Even the book, even the movie, what strays from the book is done really well. Oh yeah, and 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 the people that got Fred Gwynn will never be replaced, no matter what they say. I mean, uh, Herman Munster, yeah, and that part. I mean, there's a reason that South Park uses that character anytime they want a creepy person to pop up on screen. <laughs> I mean, UPS man, uh, be coming around here. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> Milkman, come by and fuck your wife. Yeah, I just, I lo- that character is so good on South Park, man. It, it really is. And especially the games. If you've played any of the Stick of Truth or the Fractured Bubble, oh, yes. he's in that. Yeah. They were so good. <laughs> yeah, th- those games are, it's crazy how good that storyline is for those games. It, it is, 100%. Um, like I said, this movie also ignited a new interest in paranormal research. We got to remember, uh, everybody, scary m- ghost movies were set in Victorian mansions prior to this. This is the very first movie that really moved that, that legitimately moved the haunted house into a suburban home. Like, so I'll give Spielberg credit for that. Like, I mean, every other movie prior to this was some big Victorian mansion. I mean, inclus- including, you know, uh, the house on Haunted Hill. I mean, all those movies like that, they, you know, they had to get this big creepy Victorian mansion because that's where ghosts lived at. Not not in somebody's home. I mean, you know, like a, a typical American home. So, I mean, this really did move ghosts into the, you know, into the, the everyday home of, of it, yeah. people. So. It made it more plausible that, oh, my God, this could happen to us. Well, I, th- I think, you know, now that you say that, I could think the soft cell is what actually made it. Because if you would have made a hard cell, I'm curious if it would have the same ripple through society and th- the same amount of eyes watching it. I mean, because how many people uh, went through to watch Exorcist and was 100% turned off by it? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a, a lot and that claim you, that they were, but I wonder how much truth w- was behind yeah, that. It, well, it's hard. I think you had to be appalled by The Exorcist. Well, I, well the, you, you also too, the media is the one sending the signal. So if yeah. the media is saying everybody hates it, and if you're watching TV and they're like, "Oh, that means me," and I hate it too, then yeah. Well, and then you or you can't admit that you liked it. Yes. 
And and you got to think too. I mean, The Goonies is one of those films just like this, where you've got a generation of people who who were raised on it, uh, got freaked out by it as kids because their parents, saw, you know. So this is a fairly you know safe movie because I mean stuff we talked about. They could have went harder with it, but they didn't. And then they turn around and introduce their kids. So it, it, it the actually the soft playing Spielbergian effect of it all <laughs> actually is giving this movie more legs than it probably would have had otherwise if it had been a harder horror film. Yeah, because what what I think what would have happened it would have got it would have got a, a John Carpenter effect where yeah it has a hit, but it's not set up for the time frame. So as time goes on, it becomes a cult, and then by then it ripples into society way later. This actually had on the Johnny on the spot impact where it actually created a giant ripple in that moment instead of down the road. And, and yeah. And then the ripple, you know, just keeps happening because I mean, you know, more and more people get introduced to it. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's showing its age now, but I mean, you know, they, they tried to, they tried some different things with that God awful remake that, uh, you know, uh, Sam, I don't remember the guy's name that's in it. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, there's the, the actor that's in it now, like, or that was in the remake, like, came out in 20, was it 2017? It, it wasn't that long ago. That movie's awful. Like, and they tried to update it, and it just didn't work. And I think yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I didn't realize um, they did a remake of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, Wait, remake uh, of what? Poltergeist. Oh, I mean, yeah, they did a remake. It was bad. I think they even worked in the thing about, you know, uh, she's seeing them. Th- she starts speaking to them through her tablet. You know, oh, my God. That way. I like how the clown is the for- a center, front and center for the uh, movie poster. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell, you know, he, he's been in several things. He was in, you know, the second uh, Iron Man movie is the main bad guy in that. The corporate, you know, uh, military industrial complex guy that was in that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it, they, they updated the movie or slightly, but it just didn't have the same effect. And I don't know if it's the Spielbergian parts that they lost, if it was cause they were trying to go harder with it. I, I just kind of felt like it was a retread that didn't, you know, do enough new to necessitate its existence. Basically. It did pretty terrible, uh, in the reviews <laughs> I'm looking at right now. Uh, Oh man. So not that we really hold this true, but the tomato meter uh, got 30% by uh, critics and 22% audience. So this was the, the audience one. one is a matter. Well, it is, but look at how close together they they're are. They're close. rarely that, that. That says something. When yeah. That close. So that, yeah. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Um, so we'll ignore that movie ever existed. I think there is a potential for a remake here, but I, I want to say that the potential for a remake, you need to set it. You, you probably need to keep the 80s setting. I hate to say it, but it probably needs to be one of those ones we was talking about earlier. That's like a new age 80s set film to kind of keep some of the stuff. Cause I don't know the tablet thing. Just don't do it for me. Like, no. you know, somebody nah. getting like, you know, it, it's talking it's, through their, it's, it's counting you through your Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's it it doesn't have the same attachment. It's 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 missing that the the thing with the lack of technology, you have a lot of mystery that can be shrouded. That, could you, ima- yeah. could you imagine a poltergeist powering that tablet like for a kid? Like, okay, <laughs> just picture this, okay? Bear with me for a minute. But the kid has a tablet, like, that's weird. I haven't plugged this tablet in in like eight days and it's still working. Oh my God, I haven't been plugged into Wi Fi in forever and it's still working like that. Okay, the kids gonna be like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> they don't care where they get their Wi Fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you go the route of having the Wi Fi password being Indian burial ground or something. Yeah. Throw that in there. Six, I mean, six, that's six. how they tie into it. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> 
Fucking stupid. Um, but I mean, but yeah, this movie, I mean, like I said, it's, it ignited a whole new interest in paranormal research. It, you know, it led to more ghost films being set in like modern settings. I mean, so it, it has a cultural impact that we still feel today. Oh, definitely. You know, I'm kind of um, curious because eighties was a, a different era in America. There was a lot more uh, of the hardcore Bible thumpers. I'm curious how many of those people took this movie as like, oh my God. Probably, like, I mean. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If if you look at the 80s, it was it was still, religion was there, but the religion was way more cult-like to a degree. So I can imagine oh. that having it a, a, a huge impact on the culture to a degree, even though the movie wonder, by today's standards is pretty monotone. I wonder how long it took for Tipper Gore to try to get it banned is what I want to know. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, to be fair, in the 1980s, the satanic panic, there there was a legit satanic panic that what it was labeled in the 1980s. So I'm sure that triggered a lot of fucking people. Because people were like, oh, this is real. This is happening. Oh, my God. Our children are being possessed, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. So. And, and, and this came right after. You got to remember, this came right after the, the whole religious... Uh, you know, kind of renaissance, if you want to call it that, of like the films of like The Exorcist, The Omen, all those satanic films, which is interesting that we're going from one to the other. Um, you know, it, it came right after that time period. So people were already primed for the, the, the afterlife, the supernatural, the religious aspects. They were primed for this sort of movie in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, as far as the ratings go. Wait, let's explain it I, to the hubs first because he doesn't... Uh... <laughs> I don't know that uh, he doesn't know our rating score and we might okay. want to, I mean, being that it's the first episode of this particular season. Um, did you want me, I have it in front of me. You want me to go over that? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So we do a rating scale of five being the best one being the lowest. Uh, it, we are rotten corpses. We don't do rotten tomatoes in here. Uh, a five <laughs> would be certified fresh corpse. A four would be rigor mortis. A three would be active decay. Two is advanced decay, and one is rancid. It was putrefying. So that's what our score is. So you had to think of what your score is. Uh, Reverend's going to go first. I'll let you go next, and I'll go last. I'm giving this movie a four out of five because it, the legacy that it had, I mean, I remember watching as a kid, and it, you know, it did scare me as a child, even though, I, you know, today I'm dead inside and hardly <laughs> anything scares me. Uh, and it, it, it cemented Spielberg's place in 80s cinema. You cannot think of Spielberg without thinking of this film, whether he wants to be the case or not. But, I mean, it, it's just one of the pillars that he used to get to the point where he was basically in all of the films during that time period or the ones that really stood out. Yeah, no doubt. Is that um, and the special effects were great for the most part. We've discussed the times where they were kind of janky and stupid, but I mean, and the plot, you know, it, it's one of those things, but it's, it's a spook show. It's th there's a reason that this is one of the most beloved. I mean, cause we've discussed this about the HHN ha Halloween horror nights at universal. There's a reason that the poltergeist house is one of the favorites because when you start the haunted house by walking into the pool, the corpse is popping out at you. That's how you start a haunted house. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a hell of a way to get into things. <laughs> yeah, I did not like that. I like that scene, but I did not like it. All right, babe, do you know what your score would be? Uh, yeah. Uh, the movie, to me, nothing about it was scary. Even when I was a kid. Like, there's no suspense factor that ever gets built. But now being an adult, looking at it, the acting itself is a part that actually sells the movie more than anything. Yeah. Because the movie's super flat when it comes to any type of suspense or tension building. I mean, which they're, they're key factors in any horror movie. You can't, if you can't build the tension and suspense, 
then everything you do outside of that falls flat. And to me, a lot of it's flat. I, like I give it a three out of five because the acting itself carried the movie, but the, all the other mechanisms going into place to build the suspension never really happened. It, it, there wasn't enough of the tension being built. So when you did have any t- potential scary part, it hits. And in, those, those scary moments need to be things that hit in a scary movie. Okay. Um, I I give this one a three and a half. Um, I mean, I really liked it, which is funny because I feel like I should have a higher score because technically everything you just said where it doesn't build any tension, I the reason why I was scared is because I wasn't anticipating some of the things to happen that happened. So because I didn't have that warning that something's about to happen, other than I kind of figured the corpses were going to jump out of the the mud pool and everything, I think I liked it because I was so scared when stuff did happen. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it just, for me, it was like a major jump. So uh, for me, it was scary, but that's because I'm a scaredy cat. I think everybody by this point knows that. Uh, (laughs) So so I'm easily scared. So I really enjoyed this film. Um, You know, I probably should jump up to about a four because realistically I enjoyed it a little more than some. Let me critique that just a little bit. The the, the whole idea of tension is is a critical aspect because if you watch a zombie movie, you know what the framework is. You know what happens. Yes. But in a, in a good zombie movie, even though you know what everything is and the mechanics of it, mm-hmm. the thing that scares you when you watch a zombie movie to this day sometimes is the tension factor that gets built into the structure of what's Yes, it, it terrifies me. And, but, it's, but, it, but you already know what the structure of it is. Yeah. So you should be anticipating it. But the fact that the tension and everything gets built and, and told in a certain way, yeah. that it gets you to the point where it gets scary. I'm not going to take that away, but I am going to say not turning the corner and not expecting because they're playing light and fluffy music and well, you're know, like, oh, everything's if, going well. If we're you know? rating it as a zombie, as a scary movie and not a movie. We're rating it as a movie. Okay. We rate them as a movie. Okay. I, I, I thought we were rating it. Okay. As a movie, I give it a four. We used to rate it scary, but then we started realizing there's some really good films out there that are not super scary. Yeah. If I if I yeah. was rating it as a, a movie, I'll, yeah. give it, I'll give it a four. But as a scary movie? As a scary movie, yeah. Scary movie, oh, I'm going to give no. it a three and a half. It, it, it fails as a scary movie. I mean, for sure. I'd give it a one and a half if I even get it that much. <laughs> yeah. If, as far yeah, as the scary The, the acting is the only thing that really sells it on any type of dramatic buildup to a degree. I will say... The amount of kids and just people screaming in this film was so fucking annoying. Like the kids scream, like not being able to get the words out and like screaming at his mom and not getting the words but out that the kid was on the TV. I fucking on. hated but that. But that's the kids. Our son does that. That's true. But in he real also life. does not speak very and well. He's not, yeah, but he does that right now in real life and he's not <laughs> even an actor. What and, and you got and it's much less in here. You got to if you do it in context, it's much less of a thing here versus like say the original Night of the Living Dead. I'm gonna go back to that yeah. where you literally have the 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 you know cliche of Barbara falling down 15 million times and her big spiked heel pumps that she's got, uh, you know, tripping over them, which is a whole cliche that they've made fun of since then. And the fact that she literally sits comatose what time she is at screaming in that movie and does nothing else. Like that's all that character does yeah. in that whole entire movie. So, you know, given that sort of characterization, this it didn't bother me as much. Yeah. Um, I would argue more that this is an adventure movie. Hold, this hold, is almost like it the, is, yeah. hold, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't gloss spookier version of the Goonies, go, if you want to know my Go, go back to that Night Living Dead with Barbara. You, you didn't like that character? Uh, not in the original film. I, 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 thought I that, know the con... I, 
I like it better given the context because I've heard an argument made that, that each member of that initial house represents a, like a functioning member of society. You got yes. people whenever they're presented with like, you know, stress and, you know, drama and, you know, any kind of like emergency situation where they just, they shut down. They can't function. Yeah, I, so I thought she perfect. nailed, she nailed that part she was supposed to play. <laughs> she showed you the, I, the average real person's reaction to a lot of things. I think that and, her character is more tangible to reality. That's what, and the, but the average person watching it that it's if you're watching those movies, what's understand that you're already up, already into horror, and you already make more faster split this split second decisions. But she encapsulates that person that does it that isn't any of that. Like you know, people prime example people you work with that are that mirror that barber lady to a T in real in real life. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. It's, well, it's a it's a common thing, anyways, and I mean, human beings. It's uh, it's it's some, we don't want to stand out from the crowd. Which, granted, the people she was around were active, so it might have been easier for her. But I mean, it's a it's a common psychological thing that when human beings like say there's somebody there dying because they just need CPR, and there's a group of people around them and nobody's moving, the inertia that you have to physically or mentally overcome to even get away from the crowd just to com- to perform the CPR to save the person is almost uh, it's it's monumental that you have to to cross that. Because you don't want to be separated from the crowd. That's like a human trait. Yes. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense to have the paralysis. It's just as a character watching her through the movie. Oh, I mean, especially as somebody who didn't start on Night of the Living Dead, and I started on Return of the Living Dead, and then kind of oh, worked my way back. Oh, like, yeah. She, but you got to remember, too. She's not, but in that time frame, not. you had a giant cultural shift where people were more aggressive in nature. I, I, I don't know yeah. if... It's 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 a you're looking at two different time sections of oh of human I, I, history. Can, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and, I, and as an adult, I can look back on it and I totally agree with your assessment. And I actually love Night of the Living Dead, the original, even with that part. Yeah, and I and especially whenever I read like the different uh, stereotypes you got, you got like I mean like I, we'll break it down when we get to the zombie season. But like each one of those represents like somebody in society. I mean like the two main characters. Um, you know you've got uh, Cooper and uh, Ben. Whenever they're fighting each other, they're like the authoritarian figures that both have like similar ideas on how to do things but they can't fucking agree with each other yes. like the goddamn government to actually get anything done you know well, so. the, the thing about the barber lady too is if you think about that movie how much did she pull you into the movie because of the way she acted it pulls you into it it makes you like get up move yeah it that's dr- true it pulls you into the movie so far <laughs> you forget that she's actually an actor and she's this and that's who she is. Yeah. That's the whole idea. It it pulls you so hard in the movie that you're getting mad at her for acting the way she is and and, (laughs) and totally disregarding that she's actually acting. You're thinking that's how she is. Uh, that is true. Like she disappears in the role like Teague did in this for people, I guess. And you know, you, you blame her for being, you know, she she was just acting. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's actually a really good job. You get so irritated with her for not doing something. And it's that's how good of a job that she came across selling that role. Yeah, it's annoying, but it, it works. So it pulls you into the movie. You're no, like, oh yeah, you're, you're like, screaming. do something. What's like f- watching football on TV? Yeah, it's like, so. what are you doing? Like, help out. Like, and and it, but that was her role was to be like, to show you how an inactive person actually is damaging to a problem that's happening. Um. Um. But do you have an argument against this being an adventure film instead of a, a horror film? Like, I mean, that's literally what I think. More Goonies like, with without with less <laughs> I'm adventure. I'm gonna go with a horror adventure. <laughs> There's definitely, I mean, I mean like the Goonies. You, you gotta. 
you got to remember the Goonies had horror elements. I mean, they had yes. like the, under, the the skeleton, you know, pirate that could have, I mean, they could have easily twisted at the end and made it into a horror film. They really yeah, could have. I suppose. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, look, at, I was scared, so. That's, I'm, I said what I said, and I'm sticking by it. That's fine. It's, it's your opinion. No, that's fine. I mean, yep. we, we've, we've established that, that you're more freaked out about this stuff. You've not been dead inside like, you know, some of the rest of us for years. So. So, some films I have, depending, because the acting was good in this. Had the acting been horrible, I would have been like, eh. You yeah, know? The, the acting was awesome. So, Reverend, what's the next film we're going to review? The next film we're going to review, I think we're we've talked about doing a double feature where we're going to discuss the original haunting film, uh, the black and white movie based upon the Shirley Jackson novel, and then the the haunting, the the remake with uh, that was done in the ninety or late nineties, I believe it was early two thousands. Yes, uh, with Owen Wilson and Renee or Renee, no, not Renee Zellweger, Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones. Jones. Yeah. You jumped and on that way so, too fast. Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm a huge movie buff, so (laughs) I know right away a lot of this stuff. Has nothing to do with her Um, being a hot babe. And um, and so, anyways, that we're we're going to discuss that, and then we're going to have a special episode discussing the haunting of Hill House, which is the Netflix you know series that kind of you know takes all of that and kind of reworks it into a a really really well done drama. Absolutely, horror elements. Yes, yes. The hubs and I finished that, so definitely looking forward to reviewing that. Um, so, uh, do you have any more plugs for uh, blue collar BS that you want to no. throw in here before we get out of here? <laughs> Don't do that. We, well, that's what we do. Like we had a crossover with blue collar uh, BS. You guys know where to catch it every Friday night, 8 PM Pacific standard time. Um, if you want to catch us, we have a website. It's deathholler.com and go check out what we have going on there right now. Kind of like little updates on what's going on with the show links to where to listen, which you can find us on all major platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher. Tune in Radio, Google Podcast, iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. I was really surprised when they invited us. And Instagram, we have an Instagram if you want to go see some of the photos there. Some of the some of the BS we have going on. So yeah, uh, find us, like and subscribe, share, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps out the show. Thanks to everyone out in uh, where are we popular right now? Slovakia. Slovakia. <laughs> We're number eighteen. Woo! With a bullet. With a bullet. Oh, my God. I don't know what they see in us, but, hey, we appreciate you listening. We definitely appreciate it. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.